Are you tired of being told what to think and how to act? Well, you are not alone. In case you haven't realized it, you have an internal GPS. It knows all you need to know about how to live your life. So it's about time you stopped letting the media and the government tell you what is true for you. In fact, it is exactly that time. It's time to think for yourself. And here to make sure you're doing just that is your host, mediator, author, and lawyer, Carol Gold. Hi, it's Sunday, August 13th. I'm Carol Gold, and welcome to Think for Yourself. If my voice is a little groggy or I sound a little tired, I was in the hospital this week, and I'll actually get to that a little later. But for now, let me talk to you about two stories briefly in the, in the news that I think are excellent sort of foundational building blocks for where this episode is going. The first one is that the um, Attorney General, Merrick Garland, appointed this week David Weiss to be the special counsel in the Hunter Biden probe in terms of what Hunter Biden may or may not have done that were violations of the law. And if you remember, just a week or so ago, maybe a little more, there was a plea deal struck for Hunter Biden that was going to get him no jail time, that was going to basically exonerate him of any felony, and was going to make it virtually impossible to prosecute him for any related crimes in the future. That deal was struck between the prosecutor and the defense attorney. It was signed off by David Weiss, who was uh, the lead investigator in the original investigation against Hunter Biden. But when it got before the judge, a very brave judge said, no, this deal is no good. What do you mean he's not going to be liable for any potential future crimes committed that are related? And when did anybody else ever get a deal like this? And so she turned down the plea deal because the judge has to sign off on it. And now Hunter Biden is going to go to trial, presumably at this point. A little background I gave you just to bring you current. And so Merrick Garland made the decision to appoint special counsel David Weiss. When I heard, or read actually it was, when I read the name David Weiss when the story first broke, I quickly in my brain said, oh, that's a coincidence. That's the same last name as the state attorney general out of New York, who the two IRS whistleblowers who testified two weeks ago said was prevented from pursuing Hunter Biden in any efficient way, and that he was not granted the kind of leeway that he needed to um, bring charges. And both David Weiss and Merrick Garland said that the IRS whistleblowers, they didn't say that they weren't telling the truth. They simply told a different story, Garland and Weiss. And the story they told was that all along, Weiss had all the leeway he wanted or needed. But it turns out that Weiss had told these two IRS whistleblowers and six other people who were in the room at the time that he was basically being hamstrung from pursuing the Hunter Biden case originally. So David Weiss, I heard the name, I read the name, and I thought, that can't be. That's just, a, that's a coincidence, right? I thought the last name was a coincidence. And then I was trying to remember the uh, attorney general's name, who was originally in charge of the investigation. And I thought, I think it's David. I think it's the same name. 
Well, lo and behold, it's the same person, which is absolutely absurd because David Weiss is who originally didn't pursue this, and he clearly lied when he said that he had been given all the leeway he needed because when Merrick Garland announced the appointment of David Weiss, what he said was that Weiss came to him and said, I really should be special counsel in this. And Merrick Garland said, given the circumstances, he agreed. Well, no, they both said publicly, in fact, Merrick Garland under oath previously before Congress, that David Weiss had been given all the leeway he wanted originally. So they're lying or they wouldn't need to appoint him now to give him the leeway he allegedly had from the beginning. Okay, that's the first story. The second story is the Biden administration, the head of uh, Health and Human Services, has made some very strong statements about the devastating effects of loneliness and isolation in our population all across the United States. And it's such a serious problem that they're thinking about or they're in process of appointing or, yeah, I guess it would be an appointment to create an office or a department, I'm not sure, that would address loneliness and isolation as a national medical crisis, okay? Now, in a prior podcast, when talking about loneliness, I had referenced some things that were out at the time time I did the prior podcast, which was that loneliness has caused serious health risks in this country, as nearly half of adults across the nation say they've experienced the feeling. The U.S. Surgeon General said when he declared a public health epidemic based on loneliness. So that's a quote I read you from a prior podcast. Further, it was determined that the risks could be as deadly as smoking a dozen cigarettes a day. That was quoted in the Associated Press, quoted the U.S. Surgeon General. Adding to the problem, the health care costs of billions of dollars to address it. And that further, loneliness was the greatest national security threat in 2024, next year. Now, when I think about loneliness and isolation, yes, it's easy to blame the technology, but what did more damage than COVID? What did more damage to people's ability to be social, to interact with family and friends and in normal everyday settings, to go out, to go shopping, to go to restaurants? What impacted loneliness and isolation more? Children out of school, unable to play with their peers, than the way the government, the federal government, locked down this country for a year or more in some instances. If it didn't cause the problem, COVID certainly exponentially ratcheted it up. And not COVID itself, but the way the government approached treating it. When I thought about the appointment of David Weiss, And then I thought about now the government wants to do something about loneliness and isolation. I thought of something Albert Einstein once said, which is you cannot solve a problem at the same level at which it was created. You cannot solve a problem at the same level at which it was created. Well, how does that apply to those two stories? Well, David Weiss and Murray Garland were in on this from the beginning. 
and they created the mess that led to Hunter Biden's plea deal, which almost got him off scot-free. So now we're going to let the um, what's the expression? The wolf guard the hen house. Now we're going to let David Weiss come back into the picture and give him all the latitude he needs. No, he was part of the original plea deal. In the second story, the government is now going to create this administration. The administration that locked us down is going to create a department or, uh, or within the CDC, by the way, that would address loneliness and isolation. No, they caused the problem. The CDC and the federal government and Fauci caused the loneliness and isolation problem. They cannot fix it. Not at that level, because they're the level where it got created. So what do we do? And a friend of mine asked me that very question this week, just the other day, about a day and a half ago. She said to me, what can those of us do who are awake and understand how ridiculous things are and how people in positions of power and people with expertise are leading us, have led us, continue to lead us down a primrose path? Well, I want to answer that with what happened to me this week. I don't think there's anything as good as personal experience in life. So let me share my experience with you. This past week, I had to go to an urgent care, you know, like local emergency outpatient kind of uh, clinic. At urgent care, the ER doctor who was there or the urgent care doctor who was on duty believed that my symptoms were my heart. He further believed that I had a blood clot or could have a blood clot. And he said to me, if you leave here, you can die. I said, what do you want to do? He said, uh, we're gonna, we've done blood work. Now we'd like to, we did an EKG. I see some irregularities on the EKG. I want to do a CT, CAT scan. I said, okay. Was terrified at that point. Words like blood clot and you can die don't exactly lower your blood pressure, which was already high. So they took me into a nearby room and as I was about to lay down into the CT machine, the technician said, okay, CT with contrast. And I said, whoa, 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 no, no contrast. If you don't know what contrast is, it is an iodine-based dye that they inject into your bloodstream so they can track it with the CT and see how it's flowing through your arteries. But I've always been opposed to uh, contrast and refused it whenever it's been offered to me or suggested to me because I know just enough to know that some people don't eliminate it from their systems. It's supposed to go through you and be eliminated, you know, processed in your liver and eliminated in your urine. And I've heard stories, read stories of people who their system does not thoroughly discharge it. And what happens is they wind up with autoimmune problems for the rest of their lives. So I said on the table to the tech, no, 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 no contrast. She said, well, you'll have to wait a minute. She went back to the doc and she came back in and she said, well, without the contrast, we can't tell you anything. I said, well, what does he suggest? She said, well, at the very least, a chest x-ray. And I was reluctant because I don't like radiation exposure, but I let them do the chest x-ray. And then he came in and he said, 
Okay, there's nothing on the chest x-ray, but of course we can't see anything because we can't do contrast. So I want to transfer you to the hospital. And I said, well, what do you, he said, you could die if you have a blood clot. And again, he was, you know, in my face with, you could die. This is very serious. So I said, okay, transfer me to a hospital. I was reluctant, but I finally said, okay, let's see what they can do, what they can determine. And he said, I'm going to transfer you by ambulance. I said, no, no, no ambulance. I said, I have a friend here and he will drive me. It's only six or seven minutes from here. Well, if anything happens to you in the parking lot, you could die and your friend won't be able to help you. And it's very serious. You have to understand you could die in the parking lot. I said, do me a favor. Let's just process me out of here and stop telling me how often I could die and how many ways I could die here. Let's just get me out of here, call the hospital, see if they have a bed, and if they do, he will drive me, which is exactly what happened. So at the hospital, when I checked in, they were ready for me. They knew I was coming. I had a room number pre-assigned. In the lobby, they pulled up a wheelchair. I said, no, no, no wheelchair. I can walk to the elevator and I can walk to my room. Well, are you sure? Because, you know, your records say heart. I said, I can walk to the elevator and I can walk to my room. Thank you. So we went upstairs. My friend was still with me. And the on-call nurse who was about to be my nurse said, oh my gosh, are you my patient? You're walking in. My patients never walk in. I said, well, I can walk. So I'm walking in. Got into the room, got me into bed, took the, attached the uh, heart monitor, and then began to take some blood. Well, the nurse wasn't taking the blood. The LVN was. That's a nurse who isn't yet finished her training. She's got, this one had about another year to go. And after she stuck me and took out the needle, my arm began to swell. And I said, look at this. Look at my arm. And she, the nurse looked at it, and the full nurse, the RN, and she said, I don't, I don't see anything. I said, what do you mean you don't see anything? It's twice the size of my other arm at the joint, at the, at the, at the elbow. No, they look the same to me. I said, no, it's not the same. It's swollen. What just happened? She said, well, it couldn't have anything to do with the blood draw. I said, how is that possible? My arm was fine until she stuck the needle in. Of course it has something to do with the blood draw. Well, they maintained that it did not. A much longer story is about to be made short. I was discharged from the hospital the next day. It wasn't my heart. <laughs> I didn't have a blood clot. Most likely is an upper GI problem, digestive problem, and I will be seeing a specialist. However, when I got up the next day at home, my arm was totally black and blue from middle of my upper arm all the way down to the middle of my forearm, and I was in a lot of pain and it frightened me. So I drove to an urgent care, a different urgent care. And when I walked in and told them, showed them my arm, the doctor on call said, uh, I, I can't treat you here. You have to immediately go to the hospital because you could have a blood clot right in there. You need to immediately go back to the hospital for continuity of care and for learning purposes continuity of care and learning purposes is why I had to go back to that hospital. So I got in my car and I'm driving to the hospital and I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute, 
Why am I driving to the place that caused the problem? And at that moment, I realized that the day before in the hospital, one of the doctors who saw me was from a heart and vascular practice here in the city in which I live. And he had cleared me of all heart problems because in his office eight months ago, I had had a full cardiac workup and was told by his partner that my heart muscle is that of a 17-year-old. And in terms of function, my heart has 100,000 miles left on it. So when he came into the hospital room the other day, he said, it's definitely not your heart. I thought, that's where I want to go. So I drove to his office and walked in and told the receptionist exactly what I'm telling you now. Urgent care won't treat me. I'm not going back to the hospital. I need to see the doctor or someone on staff. I waited a few minutes and they came out and asked me if I minded if I saw his PA physician's assistant. And I said, no, because I know in that office, the PAs are very skilled. I met with the PA. He told me that he's 99% sure that there's no clot in my arm. This is a bruise from a bad stick and it'll go away. Most likely use heat and ice. And he scheduled me to come back in tomorrow, Monday for him to check on it. It is improving although it still bothers me a bit. It's still pretty bruised, but it's definitely getting better. Why am I telling you that long story about me, about what happened in the urgent care at first, about what happened in the hospital, and then about my decision about what to do about going back to the hospital? It's because of what Albert Einstein said. You can't solve a problem at the same level at which it was created. You know, we have all become accustomed to listening to the experts, to bowing down to people with authority. Perhaps recent generations less than prior generations, but still to a spectacular degree and to our own detriment. When I was in the original urgent care and that doctor kept telling me the ways in which I could die, and throwing around words like blood clot and heart attack, I said to myself, I just need to get out of here. And I need to tell him that he needs to back up on all of the talk about dying, which I did. And he did back up. He actually then went on to say he was sorry. He didn't mean to frighten me, but he needed to inform me. And I said, how many times? (laughs) In the hospital, I don't care what those nurses said to me, and I don't care that they agreed with one another. I saw what happened. I knew what had happened, and I knew I was going to have an extended problem, which I did and still do to some extent. When I decided not to drive back to the hospital that hurt me, but instead listened to the voice in my head that said, go to the heart and vascular practice, I did the right thing. I did the best thing for me. So what is the message of my personal story and Merrick Garland appointing David Weiss and the administration that caused us to be locked down for a year now wants to address isolation and loneliness as a national health crisis? The answer is that each one of us has to take personal responsibility and tackle what's in front of us because the experts and the people in power cannot fix what they have broken. It has to be fixed at another level, at a different level, as Einstein said. And guess what? That level is the level you and I exist at. 
we can help fix the overall overarching, almost inconceivably huge problems by getting it right every day in our own lives. By doing what I did this week, by being personally responsible for everything that life brings our way, by trusting your inner guidance, by following it, by standing by it, by speaking truth to power. And boy, when we do, just watch what happens. The more we stand for what we believe in, the stronger that muscle of knowing gets, but it has to be exercised. You have to do it every chance you get. You have to listen to your inner guidance, use your common sense, and then speak up for yourself or whoever needs speaking up for that's in your immediate vicinity. Because the more we do it, the stronger the muscle gets, and the more of us who do it, the more empowered we become. And the more we do it, the clearer the inner voice becomes that is providing that guidance. Probably the three most important words I can say to you tonight are not think for yourself. Those words are be the change. Thanks for listening. I'm Carol Gold. I'll be back here again next Sunday. And until I am, by all means, think for yourself. Carol thanks you for spending your valuable time with her. It is her mission to empower you to remember how smart and capable you are. Be sure to check out Carol's website, carolgold.com. That's Carol with an E, gold.com. Please leave a review and subscribe here so you'll be alerted to Carol's next podcast. Until then, above all else, remember, it's time to think for yourself.